The Broncos podcast with Troy Rink is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. And now the world-famous Superbook Sports is in the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. That's right. You can get right into the heart of the action. Catch all of the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rank. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. Thanks for joining me from wherever you are. In your car? On your laptop at work? Maybe just taking the dog for a walk and listening on the, the ear pods. Thank you so much for your support, Broncos country. Again, the pod has been exploding in terms of downloads over the last four months. And there's a reason, especially the last few months and the last few weeks. Wake up, pinch yourself every morning, Broncos country. Russell Wilson is your quarterback. And if you need a reason to get excited, follow his Twitter, Dangerous Russ. <laughs> he is putting videos out that make it very clear this is similar to Peyton Manning 2.0. New leader, new standard, new expectations. You watch how hard those receivers, tight ends, centers were working at Wilson's compound recently where they're doing film study. I mean, come on. If that doesn't excite you about the potential for this team to finally execute a U-turn, they have been sitting at the intersection with their blinker on for six years Six years with no playoffs. Only the Jets can say that. Five straight losing seasons for the first time uh, since the Broncos have been in the NFL. This happened when they were in the AFL. And it all feels different because of Russell Wilson. And that's a good thing. Who knows where it's going to go. But you got a chance every Sunday now with Russell Wilson. And man, this would not have been the year to not have a quarterback. We have talked about that on the pod as well. But what do we have coming up on today's pod? Well, the owners' meetings were recently held in Florida, Paul, uh, Nathaniel Hackett talked, George Payton talked, uh, addressed a number of issues, but for the purposes of this pod, I want to give you some good sound from Nathaniel Hackett on how he views this team, his relationship and developing relationship with Russell Wilson. We also heard from Billy Turner this week, and he gave a very eloquent explanation as to why he ended up back in Denver. So a lot of fun things on the pod today that we're going to hit. And again, this Broncos offseason has been tremendous in terms of kind of lifting the veil of darkness, getting this team back into the national conversation, getting them back into the hunt where they could contend for not only a playoff berth, but an AFC West title. It's going to be a challenge. they got a new coaching staff, very young, a lot of guys in positions they've never been in before. But I don't know if I've mentioned this. They have Russell Wilson. They have a franchise quarterback. So I want to get into what Wilson's doing so far, kind of how Hackett views it, and the return of Billy Turner and how that could help this offensive line. We'll hear from Billy. That's after the break. 
So if you've been hurt in a car wreck or seriously injured at work, well, give my friends at Hoggett Injury Law a call. Their motto, with us, it's personal. Listen, I've known Darby Hoggett feels like forever. It goes back about a decade. Our boys played travel baseball together. I coached his son in hoops. We talked a lot of sports, but a lot of Broncos. He is a standing member of Broncos country. And yes, he's excited about this season, as we all should be. Listen, you become good friends when you meet Darby. In fact, a lot of his clients have become his good friends. You don't have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. So again, if you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGIT. That's 1-833-H-O-G-G-A-T-T. Or visit the website at hoggetlaw.com. This is Chris Fusley, owner of the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, I admit it. Before the Minna McKinnon moved to town, I didn't know a hockey puck from a hamburger. You've never had my wife's cooking, eh? Now? Now I know the plus minus of everybody on the team. And I've checked out all their girlfriends on the internet. Shh. What's that? Shh. Okay? Uh, TMI? Snay on the whole intraweb thingy. But you get the point. We love hockey at the Blake Street Tavern. Stop by the corner of Park and Blake and watch the Minna Mac with game sound throughout our 18,000 square feet. It's the Blake Street Tavern, where Denver watches sports. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rank. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. It is a wonderful uh, I think Thursday morning here in the Mile High City. Spring is officially here. Still had frost on the grass, so of course it's Colorado, but weather is starting to turn. It's baseball season around the corner. Rockies opening day. Uh, not a lot to get excited about with that team, I'll be honest. Uh, they have delusions of adequacy every year, and this year is no exception. But the Broncos don't. They're not trying to sell us on has been quarterbacks, 34 year olds in their prime aberrational one-year wonders and young guys who just can't seem to gain traction. I mean, and this is a quick tangent, but even last night, people getting their troll on on my Twitter, and it's been a tough week for me on Twitter as I got hacked by a crypto company for like seven, eight hours. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it was. Uh, But people continue to get their troll on about Drew Locke. I like Drew Locke, the person. I've said that. I love his enthusiasm, his passion for the game. He's an interesting cat. But... This idea the Broncos would have somehow like won the division and been in the Super Bowl conversation if Drew had started over Teddy. Like, folks, like, what, what are we talking about here? And it wasn't that I supported Teddy. When I predicted Teddy would win and quickly uh, Cliff Notes version of this, wasn't because I thought he was much better than Drew. And if it had been the year before, I would have started Drew. The reason Teddy won is because Vic Fangio had to save his job. He was winless in September. He did not trust Drew Locke to not turn the ball over. It was that simple. It was really that simple. And Teddy started off well, 3-0. The team finished 4-10. When they went 3-0 and lost four straight, that was their season. And everything you needed to know about Fangio's belief in Drew Locke was cemented at Cleveland when Teddy Bridgewater needed everything but a wheelchair to get out on the field with his ankle injury, quad injury, and he started that game instead of Drew Locke. He didn't trust Locke. And listen... As much as Locke has tantalizing ability, you have to remember the context of this too. Drew Locke, for whatever reason, trusted the advice of Blake Bortles, according to reports, when he hid his uh, monitoring device the year before that got him suspended for a game and banned that cost them a game against the Saints. The height of embarrassment, a moment in Broncos' time that, according to my sources, helped accelerate the change from John Elway. It was just a year of... There wasn't enough leadership. It was rudderless at times. And that argument with the league that Locke shouldn't be suspended, 
it just finally was like enough. We're terrible on the field. Now we're doing stupid stuff off of it. And then when Drew played last year, he looked like he wasn't prepared against the Ravens. That was one of the worst backup performances I've ever seen. Then he amplified it afterward by talking about how he needed more reps in practice. No one gets more reps in practice as a backup. It just doesn't happen. Then he nearly lost the game against the Chargers when he came in in relief with an interception. And in the biggest moment of the season against the Bengals, Drew elected to play hero ball instead of giving the ball to Javante Williams in the red zone, and he hands the ball off in a fumble to Trey Hendrickson in an elimination game. That was the play that ended their season. That was. So this idea that if Locke had started, they were going to be, you know, 10 and 7, 11 and 6, that's fine if you believe that. I'm just telling you there's plenty of evidence to the other side that it wouldn't have been much different. But you know what? Thank God we don't have to talk about it anymore because the Broncos have a real quarterback in Russell Wilson. They have their franchise guy. And if you don't have one right now in the NFL, you have no chance. Last year, every division in the NFL was won by the best quarterback in the division. Now the Broncos... Maybe that isn't the case this year. Maybe Russell Wilson isn't better than Patrick Mahomes, but he is certainly, you can create an argument that he can be better for this season. Certainly in the next four or five years, he could have seasons where he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes started poorly last year, and now Mahomes doesn't have Tyreek Hill. So you don't, I don't believe that every year you have to have the best quarterback to win the division, but the way the NFL is currently constructed, if you don't have your guy in the top 12 to 15 conversation, forget it. You're not winning. Now they have Russell Wilson. And what we've seen from Russell Wilson so far is absolutely uh, encouraging on every level. Bringing guys together, having them work, bringing them to his compound in San Diego. And it's not just throwing. It's recovery, uh, training staff. And then he put out a video last night on YouTube, his he called Spring Training 2022 with the uh, Broncos players, of the film study they were doing with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton leading the way. This is how you get better. It matters where every little point along this journey matters to you. And when you have a point man holding you accountable to it based on his resume, based on his talent, yes, it can make a difference. And this isn't to say that the players didn't respect Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, but I watched it and I covered it with Peyton Manning. It's a different level of accountability. Some of it, frankly, is out of fear with Peyton. But with Russell, he's putting that work in, and he's going to know if you aren't. I don't know if you listened to my previous podcast with Mark Schlereth, but Mark mentioned how Russell does a 15-page dossier on the upcoming opponent each week that he gives to the court, his offensive staff and his teammates. Is that over the top? A little Carlton Banks, if you will? Yeah. It probably is, but that's who he is. And he puts in fake players in it. He put Sourdough Sam in the Niners report. Hey, number 49, got to watch for him in nickel coverage to see if guys are reading. That is my point. Can it be a little obnoxious and annoying? Maybe, but you know what's also annoying? Not going to the playoffs for six years. And so what Russell Wilson is doing is changing the culture through his work habits, creating an accountability that is different, that forces guys into his lane. And that's what we've seen. And Coach Hackett has now had a chance. We're about, what, three weeks in here of this relationship. He was at the NFL owners' meetings. He had a chance in his press or his scrum there by the water to address what he's learned from Russell Wilson. 
uh, what he sees kind of from this team, and also, you know, some of the mechanics of the offensive line, what he's looking for in the offensive line, and a cap tip to my guys in the press corps there, Ryan O'Halloran from the Post, Andrew Mason from DNVR, Brandon Cristal from KOA, um, and Eric Delilah from Broncos.com, among those asking questions. So you will hear that now, and it starts with Hackett weighing in on kind of his relationship and what he's learned from Russell Wilson and what he's expecting, you know, to happen over these next few weeks as they start their first practice on April 11th. That's when we'll see the team come together for the first time. We've had Russell Wilson in the fold for a couple weeks now. What, what, are, what are the conversations been like with him even over the phone about this offense and how to proceed? Yeah, I think right now it's just really been about getting to know each other. You know, I mean, we, we don't talk really much football. We're going to save that for April. Um, but I think right now it's just kind of getting to know each other as people, um, as fathers, as husbands. And uh, so I think it's, it's just been a great time. What are the coolest things you've learned about him that maybe you didn't know two weeks ago? Gosh, I'll tell you, uh, he, he's an intense guy all around. And, um, you know, you hear about how much he loves his family and how, you know, into the family he is. And, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's facts. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, just from supporting his sister, playing basketball, to how he is with his wife and kids, I mean, it's just, it's awesome to be a part of and watch. What the video? get done during the offseason program to have it be a success for you? I think right now the biggest is kind of learning the language. You know, everybody talks about the language of the systems, and um, it, it's, it's like learning any language. There's, there's a lot of different things that go into it, and you want everybody to feel very comfortable to be able to answer onto a field and be able to execute and adjust. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing we have to do is just make sure the guys understand all the different from formations to protections to runs to why the whys of everything that we're doing um, so that we can get rolling. When you uh – Prepared for San Francisco in the playoff round. What stood out about Jones inside and also Williams at the nickel? Uh, yeah, Jones and Williams have given us nightmares for uh, the past three years. So I think that I, I definitely, after talking with George, wanted to go back to all the people that were very difficult to go against and that you were very frustrated to go against and you had to have a plan for. And um, so I think that's why they're here is because, I mean, Jones would demolish everybody. I mean, he just he was, a, he was a game wrecker inside there. And it's hard to find those guys on the inside that can get that push and penetration. And um, he's fantastic. And then K1, man, I mean, he's he's a dude, you know. I mean, just uh, the type of guy he is in the locker room, uh, what he brings from that from a veteran standpoint, and then his ability to tackle and blitz is is really exciting to have on this team. Same kind of question for Randy Gregory. Um, do you still see him as an ascending player? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, to be able to put him in a two-point stance and be able to use his vision and then all of his power and speed is going to be exciting to watch. We saw Billy here a few years ago and then you guys had him in Green Bay. How did Billy get better in those years that you had a chance to work with him up there? I mean, Billy, his ability to play as many positions that he played for us is unbelievable. I mean, people don't understand, like all of a sudden going from right tackle to left tackle to right guard. I mean, that's unbelievable. And uh, for him just to be able to do that and to never complain, never say anything, but just understand the system, understand how he can play at a high level at all three positions, um, as was um, I mean, it was amazing. To be able to have that from standpoint as a coach is huge because you can put the best five out there with a guy like that. And um, I mean, he's just, from his run blocking to his backside cutoffs to his pass protection, I mean, he works so hard. And I mean, he is a I mean, he's a football guy. I mean, he is, it's all about ball. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so excited to have him on the team. It's, it's, funny, that, it's funny flipping sides. It was once described to me as uh, if you go to the bathroom, try doing it with the other hand. Yeah, it's uh, it's awkward, but you get the job done. Yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, but but I'll tell you, it, it's 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 again watching him do that. And 
um, watching how easily he makes the transition and um, he screams and yells a little bit but uh, but then he goes and gets it done which is great was he a name that you was he a name that you brought up with Billy because George said you were almost a little too biased we saw him here a few years ago but there's a quote where he said you're one of his best friends yeah and so I, how much were you involved in it I mean, I think that, you know, in the beginning, we, you know, he was a Green Bay Packer. So I think, and then all of a sudden when the news kind of fell, you know, I think obviously anybody that you respect that you think is a great player and a great man, you know, you want them on your team. And uh, so I think that uh, the fact that it worked out the way it did is is awesome for the both of us. How do you, how do you kind of see the different position battles shaping up there on the offensive line? You had a quite a few guys you know I think right now it's early and everybody knows that they got to compete you know every single person is going to come have to come in there and show that they can learn the system and understand what to do and um, we'll get the best five out there is Compton going to compete at tackle and guard we're going to throw everybody everywhere the one thing that I've learned in the past I mean I think uh, last year we had about Oh God, we probably had 10 different combinations of offensive line through everybody. So um, it's not necessarily that people will be going for one spot. It's they got to train in all the spots so that if something happens, they can play anywhere and at a high level. You hear so much about when veteran quarterbacks come in, uh, starting to understand what they know. And you obviously have experience with this in the past. But because of your offensive system, the way it evolves and changes, um, what is the process of exploring what's possible with somebody like Russell instead yeah. of just sort of absorbing I think that, you know, the first part is just about evaluating what I've seen on tape with him and I've watched and gone against him so many different times. Um, and understanding that's going to be something that's going to come up and we're going to talk about and we're going to be sure that we have in the system. And then kind of think of the things that I've done in the past um, with all the different guys I've been around and coached and um, realize you can now kind of experiment and do some of those things too. And then it's about the two of us just kind of making it the Bronco offense and everybody kind of joining in and doing all those different things. So with a guy like Russell, we can do a lot. And uh, I think that's exciting. Is there something energizing for him? Um, you know, he's seen so much football, but never maybe quite this particular style of, of offense over the years and like I said yeah. pushing it forward not just doing what you ran before in Green Bay but pushing it forward with him is that, is that an energizing thing for him? I think it is I think it is for both of us I mean I think anytime you get around anybody uh, brand new that loves football as much as Russell does as much as I do um, I, I think it's intoxicating for everybody everybody's excited and uh, what, what's going to happen is we won't know until we get to September one more on Wilson. When you were in Jacksonville in Green Bay as a coordinator, did you come to appreciate how his team was always in the game and how much he stresses your offense? And uh, I mean, he's just been a guy that, I mean, he's another nightmare guy. <laughs> you know, you go against it, you know, you're always going to need more points. Even if there's two minutes left and you're up by two touchdowns, you, you have to feel like you have to keep pressing it because when you have a quarterback of his caliber out there, it's never over till it's over. What would you like about Josh Johnson? Oh, I love Josh. I've known Josh for a long time. and. Uh, you know, he's just a pure veteran, I mean, and uh, a, a true professional, and uh, I'm excited to have him in the room. Baron Browning, uh, why do you guys want to get a look at him on the edge based on uh, what you see on You know, I, I think, again, it's kind of like the offensive line. We, you want guys to try to do as many different things and find out where they're best at. And then at the same time, you know, he's going to have the flexibility of being there and being inside linebacker. So, you know, as much as you can, get people experience at different spots because you never know what's going to happen during a game. Have you figured out the logistics yet of on game day, Clint, Justin, you, which of those guys would be in the box? Who's going to relay the play calls to Russ, that sort of thing? How yeah. Do you, how do you go about that? Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit. Um, I'll be giving the, the plays to Russ during the game um, for sure. And then from there, we're just kind of working through exactly what's going to fit the best for us. You've been around Coach Everill for a long time, not in the same spot for a while, but 
when the players get in, what's going to stand out about the way he installs his scheme and communicates? I think that they're going to really appreciate his knowledge and they're going to really appreciate uh, just kind of the person that he is. You know, I've, I have known him for a long time and um, watching both of us grow in this profession has been something that we're both really lucky uh, to have watched and witnessed. And um, I just think the way that he gets up and the way he presents himself, how serious he is, I mean, he's He'll call you out for anything, just like he calls me out. I think that's one of the great things about having him on the staff. Is I can't get away with anything either, and that's all you can ask for. What's your daily one, What's your daily routine like, like right now? How early are you getting in? Even though it's the off season, how many hours do you have to put in on a daily basis? Uh, you know, I mean, my family's not not around. Um, they're in Green Bay, so um, and and I miss them, and I love being with them. I'm so happy that they're here. But when they're not around, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of at the office the whole time. I mean. Nowhere else to go, you know. You just want to keep doing football. Sun up to sundown and beyond. Uh, just, just want to keep working on football. Just, just so lucky to have this opportunity. Well, a lot there to digest from Coach Hackett, and it's crazy for him because he hadn't seen his family for weeks. Uh, they met him down in Palm Beach to spend some time together, you know. And, it, and as much as that hurts, is I mean, I used to cover spring training. It would be 52 days, and I'd see my family roughly three or four days of that. One thing about that is you get a lot of work done. And this guy is putting in the time because there's nothing else for him to do. His family's not around. So he'll go to a Nuggets game here or there, an Avs game here or there. But the reality is he's putting in 15, 16-hour days, if not more, because it's all he has right now. And that's not a bad thing as he's getting his feet on the ground as a first-time head coach. And I love the fact that he's just injected this organization with energy. Caffeinated is the word I use, and I'll continue to use it because you feel his energy. And his positive energy with Russell Wilson, it's something, you know. I don't know what exactly what it is, but it's something. And it gives this team a chance to win a division and get back to the playoffs. But it's not just about Russell Wilson. It's not. It's also about other players on the roster. And there's one specific player that we already had a little bit of concern about regarding his acquisition and his signing. And that only heightened this week. And that is with Randy Gregory. We'll get into that after the break. Hey, listen, it's never a bad time to enhance your home, create a little more comfort. Maybe you're considering selling it. Just want to spruce the place up. That's where glass doors can add a nice touch. And that's where my man, Jamie Haig, comes in. He and his wife, Lisa, run RBJ Glass. It's a family business. The initials are after their kids. That tells you all you need to know about their family ties. They pride themselves on customer service, honesty, and integrity. I coached hoops with Jamie back in the day. I can tell you he's a man of character and principle. And it shows in Jamie's business. He does great work, and they stand behind it at RBJ. They install European shower enclosures, standard shower glass. They do mirrors, window and glass replacement, insulated doggy doors. They do office cubicles and small commercial storefronts. RBJ has competitive prices and offers discounts to veterans, senior citizens, and have even accommodated single parents. So what are you waiting for? Give my friend Jamie of RBJ Glass a call. That's Jamie at RBJ Glass, 720 883-3144, 883-3144, 720-883-3144, or email Jamie at rbjglass2017 at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast with Troy Rink. I am your host, Troy Rink from Denver 7. And there was some news this week that was concerning. Uh, Randy Gregor, his signing obviously brought some trepidation because of the fact that he's missed more games than he's played because of suspensions. You know, he's shown evidence that he has turned the corner in his life. 
uh, in terms of the, the drug battle he's had and the, the demons in his past. But he's also got to stay healthy. And he missed some games last year with a calf. He missed some with COVID. So let's say that everything else is straightened out. He's got to be healthy. And that's why what happened this week was a little discouraging in that it turns out he's had arthroscopic surgery to repair a rotator cuff, considered a cleanup, and that's fine. But these things are a concern until they're not. When you're talking about a pass rusher who's got a grip and pull with his arm, um, it's worse if it's a wrist or hand when they can't grip and get into the lineman's uh, jersey. We saw that with Shane Ray. It essentially just derailed his entire career after he messed up his thumb and wrist. But this is, you know, rotator cuff. And it's my understanding, talking to multiple sources, that as the Broncos were signing and talking to Gregory, that the issue of the shoulder rotator cuff came up as part of the physical, and they could have gone with a conservative treatment plan to get him through the season, get him through the offseason. But the surgery was agreed upon by both parties as a way to get him pain-free, uh, have a recovery this offseason, and get him pain-free for the opener. The downside is he's going to miss the entire offseason and the preseason, I would suspect. I don't think we're going to see him in the preseason based on the recovery time. Now, he's an outside linebacker. It's not like you have to have great chemistry as an outside linebacker. It helps. We saw that with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, where they can communicate with each other and kind of know what they're doing. And you'd hope some of that would develop. Maybe they can microwave that through meetings and just conversations with each other and film study. But as of now, Gregory will miss the offseason and likely the entire preseason. So it's, it's one of those things, it's a concern until it's not. And they say he's going to be fine, and they need him to be. I mean, Dan Pompey on this podcast predicted that he could have 20 sacks if healthy. They need Randy Gregory healthy and on the field. They need Bradley Chubb healthy and on the field. And cap tip to Bradley Chubb who's going back and finishing his degree at NC State this offseason. Uh, I hope that's what part of a just amazing productive offseason for Bradley where he shows up with a clear head, clear heart, uh, if you will, and a healthy body to where he can realize his potential this season. Because, again, they're going to need it. This team's going to improve in sacks and takeaways. Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb have to play at a Pro Bowl level. And the other concern we've talked about is the offensive line. Is this offensive line good enough? I think you're going to see some interesting components here. Hackett has talked about the versatility that 10 guys could play. We'll see how that all works. But with that nuanced outside run game, maybe you see Compton at times. Maybe you see different uh, mechanics with Billy Turner. Billy Turner's played everywhere from guard to outside. For me, he remains the favorite at right tackle. But they are going to have some versatility that they didn't have, and they need to be better. And does that mean Glasgow challenges Cushenberry for the starting job, or is he just a backup at guard? And you have so Bowles at left tackle, Reisner at left guard, Cush and or Glasgow at center, Miners at right guard, and Turner at right tackle. You'd have Anderson in that mix. Tom Compton can play guard or tackle. They seem to have more depth. We'll see. But – Found it fascinating with the return of Billy Turner. He was one of the more interesting guys I've interviewed in the last few years when he was here with the Broncos. Just a lot of interest off the field, including a muscle car guy, had a sick silver 1971 SS Chevelle when he was here with the Broncos. Uh, when he did his press conference here and his return this week wore a Nirvana shirt. Billy has a lot of interest off the field. and It is why, in fact, he explains how he connected so well with Coach Hackett and why Hackett essentially motivated him and drove him to want to return to Denver. 
Hi, Billy. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. Um, if you could just uh, tell us, what, what does just this mean to be back um, in Denver, a, a place where you played earlier in your career? When you first saw that this this was going to kind of be an opportunity, what, what was just sort of the, the thinking about wanting to pursue it? I mean, it's special. Anytime you get to uh, play for a great organization like the Denver Broncos, it's always a special thing. And, you know, on top of that, being able to play for one of the better people that I've met in this industry and someone who I consider one of my, you know, great friends in this league and Coach Hackett and some of the other guys that were also in Green Bay, you know, you can't pass a situation like that down. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Billy, congratulations. Welcome back to Denver. You just mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. Like, uh, what is, what's the genesis of that relationship and why did you guys get uh, so close in Green Bay over the last few years? <laughs> I, honestly, I just think me and Hackett are, are cut from a similar cloth. We, uh, we were able to have conversations that aren't specifically about football. We can talk about everyday life situations. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We can talk about whatever, but, you know, it's funny talking to him a week or two ago. We can also just sit there and sit in silence and enjoy that also. Every day before practice, when we were together the last three years in Green Bay, when I would get ready for practice, tape my hands up and whatnot, he would just come over, he would sit next to me. Sometimes we would talk about things, sometimes we wouldn't, but that was just, it was one of those opportunities that we always had daily to sit there, to communicate, to learn about one another. And he's just one of those bright, positive souls that I've you know, fortunately had you know, the great pleasure of meeting in this industry. And, you know, there's a lot of people that come and go in the world of professional sports. And when you're able to meet somebody that is a great person that, you know, you're able to consider a friend like that, you know, you never want to pass up a situation where, you know, you have the opportunity to play for someone like that. We'll go Kyle, then Brandon. Go ahead, Kyle. Hey, Billy, obviously a lot's happened since you were last in Denver. How do you think you have grown the most as a player from your last few years in Green Bay? Um, I mean, I've grown a lot of different ways. I think I'm a better football player now, um, you know, but one thing that was very similar, uh, my time in Denver and my time in Green Bay is playing different positions. And, you know, it's not always – the funnest thing to do, but given injuries and how this league works, that was something that I was able to do in Green Bay no differently than I was here. And I think that that has helped me as a player, not only understand the game more, but also being able to focus in and hone in on some of my personal techniques a little bit more. And it's, you know, it's always fun to have a challenge, but at the same time, it's just one of those things that has kind of been a consistency throughout my career and it probably will continue to be a consistency throughout my career. And, you know, it's funny because looking back on those things, you know, back in my time in Miami and my time kind of right when I got to Denver as a young player, you don't really want to bounce around from position to position. And you hear coaches and older people tell you that it's going to enhance your value as a player and also make you a better player. But, you know, as everyone knows when you're young and they tell you that, look, it's going to go by at the blink of an eye. You know, you never believe them until you're in that situation. It's no different given me playing different positions. They tell you it's going to get better and it's going to make you a better football player, and you never really understand that and trust that until you're going into year nine like I am right now. Go ahead, Brandon. 
Billy, I guess I have a two-parter for you. When you were looking at other teams, was Hackett and his family maybe the deciding factor? How many other teams were you looking at? And, and he told us the other day that you were his daughter's favorite player. So how often have you had that where you're a coach's uh, kid's favorite player, and how special is that for you? Um, it's dope. It's very cool. Um, you know, and talking with Hackett and his family, it's cool because no different than the relationship I share with Nathaniel, we talk about a bunch of different things. It's not just football related. That's why we're tight. And, you know, meeting his daughter, um, Everly and talking with her and the rest of their family, Everly doesn't like me because I'm a football player and this, that, and the other. She likes me because of the other things that I do outside of football, the clothing, the art, and all these other things that she has interest in, you know? So it's a fully, you know, full circle, 360 degree family type of thing with the Hackett's, they're great people, you know, and that doesn't only show through, you know, Coach Hackett and the way that he coaches the game and communicates with his players and staff and how he treats people. That's a full circle thing with how their family operates and just how they exist in life. We'll go Eric, then Darren. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, Billy, uh, welcome back to Denver. What are your expectations in terms of uh, where you're going to play and have they kind of said to you, we're expecting you to start at right tackle or what have the conversations been like there? Um, I, I personally don't have any expectations. I learned a long time ago not to go into any year, or any game with any type of expectation that you can talk to Coach Hackett about that. It's funny because when I was in Green Bay, you know, you might get to a Wednesday or Thursday and then you find out that you got to play a different position like that. That's just the norm for me. So I, I honestly have no expectations for any position for me to play. I can play all of those positions. I'm comfortable at all of those positions. So I personally, you know, I wouldn't pick one over the other because my goal is to help this team win football games and bring another championship to Denver. And however I can best do that is where I'm going to be. If you no longer have a question, can you please lower your hand? We've got time for about a handful more. Go ahead, Darren. Hey, Billy, welcome back. If, if it does come down to playing right tackle, which many of us uh, believe it, it will happen. But if it does come down to that, understanding you can play other positions, what about your skill set do you think would work so well in the system with Russell Wilson as the quarterback? Um, it's going to be very similar to uh, Green Bay system. You know, I understand Hackett's um, mindset and offensive philosophy, but, you know, my attributes as a player are my athleticism. I'm not a bigger guy. I'm not slow, but I'm quick on my feet. I'm able to move and I'm athletic. And I use that to my advantage in the run game and in the pass game also. And knowing Russell being another athlete himself, being able to make plays outside of the pocket, I think that's going to work to my advantage and his advantage also being able to, you know, stay locked up with uh, defensive ends and defensive linemen as he rolls out of the pocket. Go ahead, Troy. Billy, good to see you, my man. Happy you're back. Uh, when you come back and join a team that has Russell Wilson, I know you said you don't have personal expectations maybe going into a week or a season, but do you feel like this team does with Coach Hackett that anything less than the playoffs would be a disappointment? And how are you embracing that? I guess we're arriving back in Denver with Russell Wilson now in place. You know what? I'm not going to dig myself a hole here and comment or say anything I shouldn't say because the National Football League is the National Football League for a reason. You play the best day in and day out 
not only your own team, but the opponent's team. It doesn't matter what your record are. It doesn't mean you're a bad football team. It doesn't mean you have bad players. You know, I've been on plenty of teams that have had the most talent in the world, but the, you know, record at the end of the year does not show that. So um, Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame player. He's one of the better quarterbacks to ever play this game. And with that being said, the entire team is not going to rest on Russell Wilson's back. That's how a team works. There's no one person that figures this whole thing out. And that's the best part about a football team. And, you know, getting to know Russ a little bit, that's the one thing that I have seen in him is he knows how to command certain things that he wants to get done. But at the same time, being on this football team, me, the rest of the guys on this team, we all got to play our part and play our role for this team to be successful. Let's go five three, George. George, Mike, then Brandon. Go ahead, George. Yeah. Hey, Billy, um, just going off that quickly, how much did did Russell maybe play a factor in your decision? I know you talked about Coach Hackett, but we, we've had a lot of free agents come through here and say Russell was a, a big factor in why they ended up signing here. Um, how much have you talked with him and, and how much was that a factor in your decision? Um, I mean, it definitely played a factor, you know, when you're looking at teams and you look at um, situations and you look at quarterbacks out there. Russell is one of those dudes that is going to win you a handful of games by himself. That's the type of, you know, caliber player that he is, you know? So you throw a bunch of other people into the mix with someone like that and you have a really good situation on your hands. So, you know, nobody wants to necessarily end up on a football team that was, you know, a one or two win team the year prior, but you got to understand how many times in the history of the NFL has a team gone from winning zero games, one game, two, three, four, five, to being in the playoffs the next year and to completely just turning, it just looks like a completely different football team the next year, you know, and, you know, Wilson and Hackett and this organization as a whole, the people that I met while I was here, all of that fully encompassed just played a role in me deciding to come back here. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Billy, uh, the last time you were here, I think it's safe to say uh, Garrett Bowles was uh, struggling a little bit. Uh, you served as one of his mentors in those uh, early years. And I was wondering what you thought about his growth. I mean, he got the contract. He got second team all pro. Um, have you have you checked in on him? And what do you think about how far he's come? I have uh, I've talked to Garrett a couple of times uh, in the past week, week and a half. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that Garrett struggled early on, because if we're calling ace and ace a spade a spade, the way that this league works, when you come in and you're a rookie, I don't care how old you are, I don't care where you come from, and you're starting day one at left tackle in an organization like the Denver Broncos in this division, that's not an easy thing for anyone. It's hard to come in and to make a complete impact from day one at that position, especially you know with the defensive ends, the outside linebackers, the D tackles, just the freaks that exist in this conference, but in the league as is, it's tough, man, but you could see, in my opinion, every year that Garrett has been here, excuse me, he's made an improvement. <laughs> excuse me, I don't have COVID, I swear. Um, but he's made an improvement every single year, and it's not a surprise to me that he was a second-team All-Pro all the way up until this point that he did get that contract because he's a great football player. He's got great athleticism. The way that he moves out on the field, he's a good football player, so it's not a surprise to me, no. Finish this off, Brandon. 
Billy, kind of back to the question I asked you before I threw the Hackett daughter stuff at you. How many other teams were you looking at or how many options did you have uh, to, you know, that wanted your services? Um, there, there was obviously a couple teams that uh, me and my agent communicated with, but to be completely honest with you, at the end of the day, what it boiled down to was where I wanted to be and wanting to play for Coach Hackett. I liked the Denver area. I liked this organization, and I had a great time while I was here for those two and a half, three years prior in my career. And, you know, I personally chose to come back here because of those reasons. I would love to end my career here if that's an option for me, and I would love to end my career playing for Coach Hackett. Obviously, in this league, it's not always that simple. You don't just get to pick and choose things like that, but – you know what, for the time being, having an opportunity to play for someone who I consider a great friend, it was a no-brainer to me. All right, Billy, thanks so much for the time. We thanks, appreciate Billy. it. And let's not kid ourselves. They need Turner to play well. Right tackle has been an absolute revolving door. We say it, I say it. They've had more right tackles and gone through more right tackles like uh, Spinal Tap goes through drummers. They need stability at that position. And even if it's for one year, it's not ideal. And I do think they are going to draft a right tackle at some point. They still have nine picks. I mean, there's this misnomer that they traded away their entire draft class for Russell Wilson. They still have nine picks, and I think they're going to end up with ten by the time the draft comes around. And when you look at what, when you look at what you know, people talk about the Rams and f the picks and Les Snead. I mean, the reality is you're able to trade those top picks because the Rams crush it in the middle of the draft, and that's what Peyton did last year. When you look at what he did in the third round with the Quinn Miners, with Baron Brownings of the world, uh, you got. Javante Williams in the second round. These guys are all impact players for the Broncos. Jonathan Cooper in the seventh. So the idea that nine or ten picks that Peyton can find some contributors, very realistic. And I do think they're going to take a right tackle because it's, it's an area of need and you've got to have more depth there. And maybe you hit on one. They've had – here's some of the – the top 30 visits, too, on why I think they could have a tackle. One of those was Tulsa. Two tackles. Tulsa tackle Tyler Smith. Washington State tackle Abraham Davis. Those are guys to keep an eye on in the draft. Uh, certainly middle rounds, fifth, sixth, around there. Other guys who visited, and this, again, speaks to a need. Defensive back from Virginia, Nick Grant. LSU defensive back Cordell Flott. Uh, Nevada tight end Cole Turner. I'd love to see him have a chance at Fort Morgan and Fort Collins star Trey McBride, but they're not getting him at 64. They'd have to move up because he's going to go late first, early second. They also hosted a top 30 visit running back Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers, Coastal Carolina running back Shermari Jones. Uh, They talked a lot with the receiver Mike Harley, too, at the Senior Bowl. Those are some of the names as you get deeper into the draft to just file away. They haven't closed the door on Melvin Gordon. I've talked to sources about that all week. There's still interest with Gordon and Kareem Jackson. It really comes down to the money. And Gordon, he's going to have interest, I would expect, from the Jets, the Broncos, probably at least a few other teams. What does that number look like? If it's closer to three, three and a half, four with incentives, could he come back? Certainly could come back. But if it stays at six, and don't blame him for seeking that based on what Leonard Fournette got, he won't be back because they have Javante Williams. Kareem Jackson, his market might be a little different because of his age, but I'd love to see him back with this defense one more year because of his leadership and the fact that he just absolutely lights guys up like the Vegas Strip. So, again, Broncos continue to move forward. Another week defined by Russell Wilson. Hype videos, should we say? I don't see them as hype videos. I just see it as encouraging 
and how he is setting a new standard and new expectations for a team that has lifted the veil of darkness and is ready to contend. And that is a good thing for Broncos country. Broncos country, thank you so much for supporting this pod. I wouldn't be possible without my friend Nate Lundy at Mile High Sports, Chris Fusilier at Blake Street Tavern, Jamie Haig of RBJ Glass, and of course my man Darby Hoggett of Hoggett Injury Law. They make this pod possible. Broncos country, I do this pod for you. Happiness that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day.